Um, so I'm recording this talk. Um, as I put in the in the email, there's some people I know in the other talks. Some people missed that link. I sent the link with the talks that we've done in the past. The first one I didn't know how to record, and I totally forgot. But the, the link is a podcast that I just set up, so I can put all the stuff there, and it's free. So you guys can can listen to every talk, and then you can have a. If we have a slide or something, a presentation, you can download the slide and watch it at the same time. So it's pretty good. Uh, if you if you feel that there is something to improve with that or the sound or this or that, just let me know. Shoot me an email and let me know, Sergio. Uh, I'm going to try to be consistent with that. And once this pandemic or this crisis really slows down and we get into the normal daily life and we don't have time for things, for meetings like this, uh, I'll try to post things every once in a while, if I can, once a week, to share things. And if people want to share things, you're more than welcome. Huh? Um, today, you know, uh, I did have nobody really sent me something that they wanted to talk. So I'm going to start with one thing and 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 see how we evolve from that. You know, and I know we have coaches from other countries and. And also, one of the things that they ask me overseas is the difference, because a lot of them know that I like to train more in short course than low course. And why? And, you know, uh, coming from Spain, you know, um, I was used to always training long course, you know. And to me, if you wanted to be good at international level, you have to train in long course. But one of the things that I learned from Joseph Nagy was that that's that's irrelevant you know the bottom line is that if you're fit you train well you're going to be able to compete doesn't matter you can train in a 10-year pool in a 50-year pool in a 100-meter pool it doesn't really matter so so what i you know they asked me my thoughts about that so i'm going to share some of the thoughts and then you know people can interact and then you know we can hopefully evolve from that and maybe talk about something else you know because i would think Many of you have things in your head that would like to ask or share, or you know, during these days that you've done or in the past. To me, it's always been, uh, and any coach that has worked with me or any one of my streamers, if you're listening to this, you can you can you can share your thoughts afterwards. But uh, I like training in short course yards better than training long course. You know, even though I when I was at Bolts, I had a 50 meter pool and. When I was at, here, I have a 15-meter pool that I can switch anytime I want. Like even this year, that we had five people already qualify for the Olympics and possibly five more qualifying. Um, we train in short course most of the year. I think we did two or three practices in long course between September and the last day that we, we could practice sometime in April. Um, and the reason is because I learned it for butterfly and breaststroke. It is very, it's 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 easier for me, and for the athletes that I coach, to hold their stroke at a higher level, technically and with the speed in short course and in long course. You know, and uh, one of the things that uh, we do, and people will say, "Well, but Sergio, you know, you do the pull out, you do six strokes, you turn, and you rest, and is that affecting the way you train?" And my answer is that we don't do touch turns in practice. 
you know, we've been, you know, I've been doing this since I was a sooner with Joseph Nagy. We always do flip turns. Right? And the flip turn, what the flip turn does is uh, it changes it changes the set drastically. Right? The first would be, you know, as you come into the wall in brushstroke, for example, and we do flip turns for everything. I am sets, freestyle sets, brushstroke sets, butterfly sets. Now, as you come into the wall swimming brushstroke, and you see the T on the bottom of the pool, the idea is that when you see the T and you're on top of that T, you need to do kind of a stroke. Like brushstroke stroke, you pull yourself and you flip. Like I said, you don't do a freestyle stroke and then you turn. And as you do that, you flip quickly. And the tendency of any swimmer is when they flip in freestyle, they have a tendency of blowing the air, you know, blowing bubbles. But if you have to do seven kicks underwater, or you have to do a pullout, a long pullout, you have to hold your breath. So that's a very hypoxic part of the training. So imagine that you're doing five 200s breaststroke in yards, and you have to do flip turns. And normally what we do too, we put a, a cone, well, I don't put a cone anymore, I don't force it. I tell the kids before practice, you should grab a cone. We have cones for this, for butterfly and breaststroke and this. You, we're gonna place it at a certain place. And we try to progress in the, that place during, this, during, the, during the year. So let's, let's say that you put a cone to do a pullout at the 12 yards. So every time you have to do a pullout, flip, do a pullout at, at, at the 12 yards. That really is very, Taxi. And then the goal is if you have four, five, six strokes, is to focus on perfect strokes. You know, when you're in long course, you do five to hundred long course. And at one point, most of us, I was a breaststroker, so I know. And it's like you start going, uh huh, uh huh. And the stroke gets longer, and sometimes you lose your technique. Butterfly is empty. Butterfly is even harder in long course. Because the tendency is that people start dropping their kick and then they start coming a little bit more vertical and they start like, you know, their center of gravity. That's the most important thing in breaststroke and butterfly. They start pushing down and pushing down. So it becomes very inefficient. So that's why I like to train in short course. It keeps the speed and the technique so much better all the time. And I don't think, I've never had problem at the big competitions with the guys doing that but the girls i think it's an educational process you know because a lot of the people think that they they need to train in long course and long course and long course to be successful like when i was training with mike Berman, uh we were two or three guys like rock santos mike Berman, and myself mike Berman broke the world record six times in three and a half years in long course in the 200 restaurant you know and in those three and a half years that we trained together, maybe we trained two months in long course. Two months in three and a half years. So even when we went to the Goodwill Games or uh, World Championships or whatever, we tried to train if we, if we had access to the diving wall or a short course pool. And I'm not saying that that's better than long course, eh? but I think a lot of people don't have access to a long course pool. And even if you have access to a long course pool, sometimes it's important to manage both. Because if you can have a good balance between both. Last year we had eight people at World Championships, seven people at World University Games, five people at uh, Pan American Games, uh, one person at Junior Worlds, and people going to nationals and different meets. And pretty much in the summer we train 
in the mornings, long course, and in the afternoons, whenever we had afternoons, three times a week at least, we train in short course yards. So, and I think it makes a good balance. When I was at West Virginia, we had a 25-yard pool and a diving wall that was 16 yards by, I think, 12 or something like that. And, you know, I, I had 13 people training there, pretty much 90% of the practices. And out of those 13 people, nine of them made NC 2As. And some of them went from there to NC 2As to World Championships and so on pretty well. So I really, I really believe, you know, short course could help you in the long course training. And, you know, sometimes we get too caught up in the summer. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, what are we going to do? And I think you need to trust that it works. Uh, anybody has any comments or any questions or anything? I do. Hi, Sergio. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm living the dream. <laughs> That's right. Um, I do have a question because, um, so I, being from Ecuador, we only had meters. So I only learned meters, actually. And here in the States is, is the yards part. But I do have a question in terms of how do you adapt in terms of that extra yardage that you have in meters? So if your body is constantly doing like five two hundreds or or one hundreds and they're constantly doing an X number of strokes to complete that hundred, how do you adapt to that extra what is it, ten more yards that they do in in meters? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, it's a great question. I think I, to me it's not that I, I don't need to adapt. You know, when I coach somebody, I coach them to, to swim fast. And we have a goal of going, like, for example, uh, uh, like, let's say with, with Farida Osman, you know, and this year she went 58-0 in the 100 fly in season, unshaved. You know, her best time is, I think, she won 58-0-0. Her best time ever from the last Olympics was 57-88. You know, and, and, she really wants to train long course all the time. Now she accepts what's happening because she's seen that, you know, she only trained maybe two or three sessions before this competition in long course. And her question was always, hey, how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to do that. But when we design sets for her, the goal is to always think about the last 10, 15 meters. The rest, if you train for four hours or three hours a day, you should be fit to to jump in and do an effort of 50 something seconds. You know, it's, if you, if you cannot do that, I think you need to go to a different business. Now, the important part of it, the way I always design sets, is not about the beginning of the, the uh, we don't try to think about, uh, I don't try to think about the first 50, the second 50, the third 50. It's always about the last part of the race, the last 25% of that race. It could be the last 25, the last 50, the last 100, if it's a 400. Oh, you know, you think that way. And that's how we train. And and things are designed for her. So the last 10, 12 meters, she has a hard time tidying up on her shoulders. And what do we need to work? Just, you know, when we do sets, even if it's in yards, you know, after, let's say that you do a 100 fly, you know, the last four doesn't matter that you're in yards. You have portions of 10 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards, and they're very hard. So how you hold your stroke, how you, how you hold your breath, how you keep your center of gravity in the same place, how you 
you use both kicks. You know, in the fly, for example, with her, you know, she has a very good kick, but she starts losing her kick if she starts focusing so much on her shoulders. And at the end of the race, when you try to breathe, what happens in butterfly? You you come out to take a breath, you know, and you start looking up and then your center of gravity gets deeper and then you kick uh, loses effectivity. You know, so things like that. So you just you know so I don't think you know, I don't have a I guess I've been used to do that for so long that I don't think anymore about how do I adapt to one thing or the other. Like I said, so I just coach with the thought process, what's the goal and what are the things that we need to fix. And makes sense. Hey, Sergio, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Trevor. So um, something that I've dabbled with, and I've actually, um, something that I got from ba from Bowman um, when he was at NBAC, he always told me, um, you know, in order to train for a 200 long course, you have to really train 500 yards uh, short course. How do you feel about, like, extending yardage um, and training longer when it's long course season versus shorter races during short course season? I think I cannot deny that that works for Bob, you know, I know. And, and that's the thing that it, there's, I always tell the coaches that I get a chance to work with either, you know, it's, there's thousand ways to get to the same place. Makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. So, so for example, uh, to me, like, you know, if you look a little bit back when I was a, a swimmer, uh, when I was training with Joseph Nagy, you know, even still right now at the colonial athletic conference or whatever, I still have the record of the 500 feet. I went 419 30 years ago, a breaststroke. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I got fourth at NC2As. It was the second time I saw it in my life. The first time that year that I saw the mile, I went unshaved, 1526, and won the Eastern Championships or whatever meet it was. Now, I'm telling you this because I never trained longer distances you know, I train yardage you know, uh, practices of 6,000 yards, 7,000 yards with Joseph. But we never did much of, we trained for the 200 in long course and we trained 200s. I never, never did, barely did 200s full breastfeed. You know, like we had one set that we did 450s kick, 450s, one 200, 50s eight times, and the 450s two runs kick. Uh, then two runs pull, two runs drill, and two runs swim, or something. and the, the 200s always were. And that was a big day of rest. Normally, we always did kick, pull, swim, 25 kick, 25 pull, 50 swim, 400s, for 75, 25 kick, 25 pull, 25 swim. Mm -hmm. And I never did over distance for whatever distance I was swimming. Make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And it works for us. You know, One of the things that I like training in short course, yes, that I do use it. We use it in long course too. We do a lot of, uh, like I said, 25, 25, 25, meaning 25 kick, 25 pull, 25 swim. Mm -hmm. You know, we do uh, 25 kick, 25 pull, 50 swim, 400s, 50, 50, 50 for, two, for 150s. Uh, we don't do 200s like that, but then we go to 300s, 100, 100, 100. And we do big sets of that. And, what you really accomplish with things like that is you really, you don't have to do long distances of like over distance. What you do is you work your kick. So you're working one part of your body muscles, you know, your legs, then you work your pull. So 
for 15 seconds you work your kick, for 15 seconds you work your pull, and then you put everything together. And if you do things like that, combine things like that, you by the end of the you you can you can hold a high speed and a high level of training for a long period of time. Make sense? Yeah, so it makes sense. We have sets like you can do eight fifties main stroke on one minute in yards. You know, when, when I was when, with Joseph, I would do eight fifties with on one minute fast. You know, rest. You know, fifty easy, and then we'll do four seventy fives, four one hundreds, four one fifties, four seventy fives, four one hundreds. Like, uh, hold, try to hold one fifty, one sixty heart rate. Then 50s and then a more 50s fast on one minute. You know, th with things like this, what you do is like uh, you work in different muscle groups. Like the first eight 50s, what you're gonna do, they're gonna put you at a level of uh, eight to nine millimoles of your blood, depending on the swimmer, but on an mm -hmm. average. Okay? And, and and that's very ideal, you know, for many athletes you know, to be in the middle of the race. Yeah? So after you do 50 easy, you can do a, blo a, a block of 2,000 or 3,000 yards, kick, pull, swim at 150 heart rate, where you lower your, the millimole on your blood, the, the, the level of uh, lactate in your blood to four or five millimoles, maybe four. Mm -hmm. And then you can come back to push it to nine, 10, or 12 on the last end. With that, you're working really the last part of your 200 or the last part of your 200. You know, so you can do combinations like that. You know, I I never swam long distances of my stroke or even freestyle. You know, I never prepared myself. I only swam one time in my life in yards, the sixteen fifty. And and thirty years ago, I was fifteen twenty six for a breaststroke. It wasn't wasn't that bad. You know, so with that being said, I'm not saying that what Bob or the people that do over distance. Like it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I gotcha. So, any anybody else? Anything? Yeah. yeah. Think, Go ahead, Peyton. I think one thing, sir, is that with our um, kick pull swim stuff, uh, the way we have our backstrokers race when they're underwater, you know, obviously putting a lot of pressure in their legs, and when they come up and they're swimming their hunter back, they pop up and they're taking a little bit of pressure off their legs and they spin. You know, so you're changing those muscle groups, especially in short course yards. You can do it a lot more in long course or underwater. You're hammering the legs, pop up, tempo, 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 underwater, hammering the legs, tempo, and just going back and forth there and going to use different muscle groups. Obviously, uh, you can take the pressure off yourself, you know, going all out through the whole race and going to back off your legs a little bit when you're on top of the water. And it's just one thing that it, it kind of applies to and might help uh, kind of clarify that a little bit. Hi, John. Hey, Serge. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I saw a lot of what Ser Sergio did with the, the 150s, the kick drill swim and stuff like that. thought it was really effective. Um, I know, you know, watching especially butterflies and breaststrokers long course, I mean, they can get about 30, 35 meters pretty well, and then their stroke falls apart. And um, in watching that, I'm like, I can't have them swimming, you know, slow like that. Um, so I like using the short course um, for that speed perspective. And, you know, for something like butterfly, I'll do 25s 
you know, tons of 25s. We might go 40 25s and, you know, the first time we do it might be three free, one fly or something and then slowly progress till we get like three fly, two free, but all that fly is fast. So by the end of the set, I get, you know, 800 or 900 worth of really fast, really good butterfly or brushstroke uh, rather than trying to force them to swim hundreds and two hundreds long course or even short course fly at, you know, uh, bad tempos or slow tempos. So, yeah, I like, sorry, I like using the short course. Thanks, John. Anybody else? Has... Nobody. Awesome. What? I'll throw something out there just since we haven't talked about it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I think training short course and long course are both important and I think at least for my guys, it's, it's more about your mindset towards that. Um, you know, I have kids that are in great shape that just don't like swimming long course and they're not going to swim great long course because they think they can't, um, and vice versa, you know? So, um, I just, I guess I wanted to throw out the mindset part of this equation because uh, I agree that physically training is training and you're in shape and you're in shape, but the mindset is really important too. Oh, I agree with you, Evan, and comes from the coaches, you know. It's one of those things that you always, you know, some, sometimes you don't have a chance to train locals. And sometimes you have to drive an hour away that maybe takes away from the practice. And if you have a short pool, it's more accessible. You know, but it's, and it's, it takes a lot of convincing, you know, you know, if you talk about the world-class athletes, they come here and train with me, you know, one of the things that I tell them on the phone is that they ask me, do we have long course to train? I say, absolutely. But I believe in short course because of this, 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 and, and they might not choose to come and train with us. And by that, I'm not saying that the balance between long course and short course has to be there. And sometimes you have to play with the mind of it, you know, like. And when I first started at Bowls, uh, they, they had a very hard time understanding that we could be successful in the summer if we trained uh, short course because they were used to long course after a certain day. You know, so, so it's just a matter of you as a coach really presenting confidence and, you know, not trying to do things right away, but, you know, slowly growing with the program. And, and at one point, they'll believe in you. And they'll do it. So thanks, Evan. You guys, uh, nobody else? Any, anything that you guys want to talk? Uh, Toby, go ahead. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you what do you what do you think about temperature uh, in the pools? Uh, we have here uh, real big problems in two warm pools. They are like. Uh, 29 degrees centigrade, so that's about 84 Fahrenheit. So uh, it's a, it's a real struggle. It's a, it's a real struggle every day. Yeah, that's that's a big problem. I think I've been very lucky. So I don't know. Hopefully, there's somebody in, in the audience uh, in the chat that can relate to that. I've been very lucky uh, that we've been in very controlled environments. I know when we were at Bowls. Sometimes the, the water would get very hot. So we had these air raiders, I think you call them. And we tried to rotate the water, you know, with air. It was an outdoor pool. But if anybody has any experience with that, please go ahead. 
So I, I do. I, I've worked at a community center for the past few years. And also um, I used to work at a pool um, on the eastern shore of Maryland in the United States. And, um, and our pool would sometimes get up to, I mean, there were days where my pool was almost 86, 86, 88 degrees Fahrenheit. So, you know, 31, 32 Celsius. And it was, it was just awful. And the way that I coped was I had my kids climb out every once in a while if I saw that they were getting too hot and just literally walk to cool down, made sure I always had ice on deck, ice water, making sure that they were staying cool. And also um, shorter distances. That's something that I like to do just so that way, you know, ele- I could elevate their heart rate still and get their heart rate up and have them train, but not overtrain and have their bodies overheat and pass out. And also, um, if you're able to bring fans on deck, I don't know if you're an indoor facility or an outdoor facility, but something that helped me just keep the air moving was I bought just huge barn fans, just huge box barn fans. And they, um, and they really, really helped aerate and, and just kept the air moving inside. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I think similar to what um, Trevor's done is just kind of keeping an eye on the athletes. I mean, a couple of times the, the aerators at the pool broke down. Um, and so, you know, in the morning it wasn't as bad, but we tried to get what we could in. And then as it started to get too hot, we transition into maybe a little bit more technical work. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, swim a lap, get out, swim a lap, get out. Not the easiest. Yeah. I, I did the same thing uh, that Trevor and uh, Coach John said a little bit. I was in a small pool and I had uh, seniors at that time and I had to really keep a very close eyes in the kids and trust them to let me know how they were feeling. And they had, uh, it was a club and they had showers, you know, outside. So I used to take the kids out let them shower, you know, and those outside showers, and then, you know, let them cool off and go in again. It's, you have to just monitor the swimmers and trust them. On, on my side, um, I've gone to uh, uh, Lowe's or uh, Home Depot, and I got some of those uh, yard uh, spray, uh, how do you call those? I'm just blanking out, but- Sprinklers. Yeah, sprinklers. <laughs> I connected the hose on one side, and then I just put that close to um, them and that cool water also will kind of keep them kind of cool. They will fight for it. But um, that was a way that I did during the summer, especially because it gets so hot in water when they use in the camp swimmers and all that. But I did that and, and it worked out pretty well. Awesome. Thanks. <clears throat> so I think uh, just, just, Following on from that, probably surprisingly in Scotland, we have some fairly warm pools as well. Um, and I've, I find myself um, working with a, a running coach who uh, reports that the benefits of training um, and the heat um, outweigh the benefits of altitude and actually taking your time to, to acclimate um, over a period of months rather than just... Um, bashing into to training and then trying to cool them down and, and solve the problem that way um, actually leads to, to quite a lot of gains um, and we definitely find that over a period by slowly and incrementally increasing the workload and um, that we find um, a temperature tolerance in the athletes over a period um, so rather than trying to reduce the, the heat 
Um, what we tried to do was um, just get them to tolerate that a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more over time. Um, and actually, what we found was that their cardiovascular response um, over the best part of six to eight months um, far outweighed any gains that we had seen prior to that. So it's probably something that, that, that we, I guess, counterintuitively look at as a problem to solve. Um, but if you, you look at you know, other sports, if you put them out into the heat and train them in the heat and train them to tolerate the heat, that's a benefit. Um, but in swimming, we're just used to putting them in cold water. So a lot of the time we try and solve a problem that isn't necessarily a problem. Um, the problem is what we do to them when we put them in the pool when it's warm. Um, so I think that that's maybe something to, to look into, um, especially, I guess, long distance running. Um, they, they go out of their way to experience heat in order to increase their, their VO2 max. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for that. I think that makes sense. You know, try to slowly set up your practices so they slowly adapt to things and, you know, and in the long yeah, term, we, in the long term, they get more improvement. Yes, we ha we ha we had to uh, adapt to that too because uh, it, it is a public pool, and we we couldn't uh, find so far a solution to reduce the temperature, and so we so we had to we already changed some things on on how we monitor the athletes. We we use uh. uh the polar devices to monitor them and uh, to see their heart rate uh, life. And then we also, you know, uh, try to adapt to, to the training situation because we, we couldn't cool the, or couldn't convince the, the responsible to, to cool down the, the, the pools yet. So I can relate uh, to you what you do in Scotland. Um, to, to adapt my training program and to, to adapt also uh, the benefits. The problem only is when we then then go to competition or when we go to 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 other pools where it's fairly normal, they, they freeze easily because they are they are already accustomed to the to the to the warm water. <laughs> uh, maybe then every once in a while have them swim in the ocean in, in the lake. Yeah, that's what we do now, right now, as we have to improvise into the the uh, lakes. But they are freezing. They're like 12 degrees here in the Alps. <laughs> or just after every, after every practice, they take an ice bath to start acclimating. <laughs> awesome.